0: Welcome to The Right to Shower, critical conversations
1: on homelessness and cleanliness.
0: Welcome back to The Right to Shower, conversations with social experts and leaders on why access to cleanliness is a human right. This podcast is brought to you by The Right to Shower. The Right to Shower helps build mobile showers for those experiencing homelessness. Stick around at the end of this week's podcast to learn how you can get involved. I'm your host, Darius Baxter, President and CEO of Good Projects. And if you haven't yet, check out goodprojects.org and see all the amazing work that we're doing in Southwest Washington, D.C. for youth and families, particularly as we head into the summer. Summer camp, y'all. Y'all remember what that's like, man. Everybody's really excited for water parks and field trips, and I might get a snow cone or two. But today I'm speaking with a man who not only talks the talk, but is walking the walk. John L. Miragi. I'm not talking about Maragi, I'm talking about Muragi, like Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi Maragi, wax on, wax off. John Muragi is a volunteer partnerships director at the Salvation Army, as well as the co-founder and co-director of Archangel Raphael's Mission, or ARM for short. He's here today to talk about the amazing work ARM is doing, especially after recently winning a grant, shout out ARM, winning a grant, man, that money flowing in, where the money reside, where the money reside as well as considerations for those experiencing homelessness going into the summer season. And it's going to be a hot one, y'all. But without further ado, I welcome Mr. John Elmaragi to the Right to Shower podcast. Welcome, John. How you feeling, brother, on this beautiful morning?
1: It is. That it is, Darius. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. And where are you calling in from today, Mr. John?
1: I'm calling from Jersey City, or as I like to call it, the right side of the Hudson River.
0: I'm interested to know, John, what initially inspired you to pursue a career in public health?
1: So I grew up in a relatively traditional immigrant household. My father's Egyptian. My mother's German, but she's probably the most Egyptian person I've ever met in my life in terms of her you know, commitment to the to Egyptian principles and community and things like that in immigrant communities especially in the Egyptian immigrant community, really only had like two options, right? You had medicine or like accounting, law, engineering sometimes. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily like thrilled with that idea. So I thought that a good compromise when I got into college after speaking with a few advisors was, you know, public health, right? So public health was a little bit more hands-on than just like your run-of-the-mill and nothing against bio degrees or neuro degrees or things like that. So it had a little bit more of a practical inflection on it. And I'd like to give a shout out to my alma mater, Rutgers University. The Blaustein School of Public Health it is probably one of the best public health schools, certainly on the East Coast, if not America. So it was, it was a great opportunity that I got to jump in on.
0: John, so you said that there were only two options for you. I'm glad you said that because growing up in Jersey, reality TV seems to become the thing that's popular, but you chose a slightly different direction. Was there a particular moment where you just knew that you were going into the right space when you said, okay, I want to enter into the public health space, particularly I want to enter into the public health space and work with people that are experiencing homelessness.
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking that. So, you know, I had, again, a very, very strict traditional upbringing. And so like most people or like many people who have that kind of background going into a very open and free environment, like a college campus, I just went completely buck wild, really ran off the rails. And thanks to- (laughs) <laughs> so you know the feeling, man, especially Georgetown. That's a good party school. It's a great school in general, but Shh, you could you could definitely throw down at Georgetown. But um I was very lucky to have my father who recognized that there was something wrong going on here and he kind of slapped me upside the head. And I had a realization that A, I was being impossibly selfish by living this life and and by going down this road. And the secondary realization that the only reason that I'm not in a considerably worse position, perhaps even a position that I might not be able to come back from and have a productive life is because I have people like my father and my mother and my friends and my support system. And as a result of that, the first thing that I committed to was taking the first volunteer opportunity that came my way. And actually on the way home, one of my friends who was giving me a ride said, hey, you know, we're going out to the New Brunswick train station tonight to hand out some PB&J sandwiches. Do you want to come with me? And I said, Absolutely. And you know, there's a longer story there, but that's how ARM started. And that's how I knew that that's how I was able to really sink my teeth into public health and realize that public service, specifically domestic public service, specifically social services to those experiencing hardship was where I wanted to be for the rest of my life.
0: Certainly Now, that's a story for the ages. Life-changing moments whittling down to a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I wonder <laughs> how many of our listeners can resonate with just that. But John, as we continue in this conversation, Let's talk about ARM. This is a, a newer organization, or at least newer for a lot of our listeners. ARM, Archangel Raphael's mission. Chris, can you tell me just a little about how do you come up with a name like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know it's a it's a very non traditional name. It's actually a, there's a great guy that I had a, the luck of speaking to. His name is Josiah Hawk, and he's he's now the CEO of City Relief, which is another amazing homeless service organization. And I, I was actually interviewing for a job there once, and We were joking that, you know, City Relief being a very faith-oriented organization and Archangel Raphael's mission, although having roots in faith, being committed to a more secular service of the human condition, I was like, oh, we should switch names. You should be Archangel Raphael's mission and I should be City Relief. But Archangel Raphael's mission started because this was part of a Sunday school group, part of like a a local church-oriented group that wanted to give back. And as a result of that, in our church community, in the Orthodox Church, All services within the church have to have a patron saint. So one of the members of this group, at the time, I think there's four or five of us, his son said, oh, well, how about Archangel Raphael? He's the patron saint of healing. And, you know, I thought that was a very elegant way to address how we want to, it's an elegant way to identify how we want to address the kinds of services that we're providing. It's more than just providing services. It is a form of healing.
0: Coming off this long Juneteenth weekend, I need a little Art Angle Raphael myself. I need a little (laughs) bit of healing and maybe some Gatorade. But can you tell us just a little bit more about the mission of Mm -hmm. ARM? So what types of things are you all doing or plan to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our actual mission statement is, you know, I'm a fan of super simple mission statements. So it's to provide health and hygiene services to those who need it. And so we build the major programming that we build all focuses around that. So right now we kind of have three major programs. Um, The first one is we're a member of a coalition of organizations, both faith-based and secular, that provide meals to the community. So that's a daily hot dinner that's provided at the Methodist Church in New Brunswick that we support. Then we have our haircut program. So our haircut program is, uh, we call it barbershop takeovers. It's exactly what it sounds like. So we have an awesome local barber in town, True Cuts. They make their space available to us and they make their barbers available to us, which is fantastic. All of the barbers that work at True Cuts volunteer their time whenever we want to do a barbershop takeover. So we're not even asking for volunteer barbers like we used to. These folks are, I mean, people pay 50 or plus dollars to get shape ups and, and haircuts from these folks. And they're doing it for free for folks who need oh, it. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Real wonderful people. And then, of course, the final program, right? The, the biggest program or the most exciting program that we run is our mobile shower program. And that's done once a week in New Brunswick and actually starting next Wednesday is going to be our first day of service in Newark. And I think that will make us the first mobile shower provider in the city of Newark, New Jersey. So that's pretty exciting for us. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Wow. <laughs> I wonder why he's on the Right to Shower podcast. And
0: it I'm just I'm just so excited, man. What a way to kick off the conversation, man. So you all's mission statement, as you said, is super simple. Health and hygiene to those who need it, right? Super simple, easy. What does uh, arm do? You know what they do. So help us understand. We didn't start this journey together, the to right and shower arm, but somehow our missions align with one another. For those of us that may be listening to the podcast for the first time, those of us that may not necessarily understand the full experience of homelessness, can you tell us just a little bit more about why it's sometimes something as simple as a haircut or providing hygiene products to somebody? Why that's so important? And why is something that Arm is focusing on?
1: Yeah, that's an awesome question. And it's something that I've heard a lot on this podcast and I've heard you talk about a lot. It really comes down to dignity. Well, you listen
0: to the Right to Shower podcast? Let me find out.
1: My man, of course.
0: Make sure you like and subscribe, man.
1: You know I do on Apple Podcasts, man. I love it. I always get the notifications. But you know, I think it was in your most recent, in the mailbag episode, where you were talking about dignity right having the dignity of having your hair the way that you want it right dignity and choice being very intertwined having your hair the way you want it smelling the way you want to smell feeling the way that you want to feel that is you know if you look up i th- i forget the name of the individual but if you look at that hierarchy of needs maslow i would put maslow thank you at the, at the very bottom right i would put even right there with with food and shelter i would put you know hygiene and as a result of that, that feeds everything up the ladder, right? You're not going to be applying for jobs if you feel dirty you're, or you're not going to get them, right? If, you, if you're sitting down an interview and you smell and you know you smell and the person across you can smell you, that's going to be a mark against you. So unfortunately, we have these exterior needs to meet our interior you know, wishes. And that's where hygiene products, haircuts and showers kind of meet that gap.
0: Yeah. You talk about having your hair the way you want it. I know a lot of men probably listening to this can resonate. At a certain point, that becomes a little bit more difficult. I'm approaching my 29th birthday. I've never looked at my hair before. It's holding strong, but I heard from a little birdie that you've actually partnered with one of our partners, Lava May X. Absolutely. We've had Ms. Sandoval on the show and some other people from Lava May X. Can you tell us just a little about like what is that partnership looking like? What are you guys up to?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So with regard to Lava May X, you know, we are, I don't want, I, I think we're the first, their first New Jersey graduate of their accelerator program. We might not be, but we're one of the earlier graduates. We were one of the- Let's
0: just, let's just say you're the first.
1: Let's just say it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so we worked with Joey over at Lava May and Joey, like, you know, I, I can't say enough nice things about Lava May in general. In fact, I remember when, uh, to connect Lava May and, and the Right to Shower- When I sat down, I sent an email to, I forget who I sent the email to, but I said, hey, listen, we're here, we're ready, we're about to pull the trigger, like, let's chat. And I sit down and Chris gets on, who I think she was the COO at that time. And Chris gets on this call and Chris goes, hey, John, like, you know, welcome, you know, we have all of these things that we're going to do for you. And also, by the way, we're going to send you a $10,000 check from the right to shower. I felt like I was on the prices right, man. It was amazing. Like, I never, that was not, A goal of mine. I didn't even know that was available. Come on
0: down, John. Come on down. Yeah, dude. It was
1: amazing. And, you know, thank God that they did because as a lot of the folks listening to this that are starting their own mobile shower programs, a lot of the folks in the Lava May X mentoring program will know. And as I'm sure you know, it's not cheap. It is not cheap and all of these costs sneak up on you. You know, you think you have enough and then a pandemic happens and then the cost for a shower trailer jumps from 15000 to 25000 or the cost of a truck jumps from 7000 to 25000 So, you know, unfortunately, we're working, this particular form of human service is working within one of the most pandemic constrained economies. And mm-hmm. as a result, the cost to provide these services is skyrocketing at a higher rate than let's say meals or let's say case management.
0: Well, jumping ahead a little bit, but while we're on this, help our listeners understand, John, how can they support you? How can they support the mission of ARM? What can we do? What can we do?
1: Yeah. So donation, always a big thing. If we're going to talk about donations really quickly, the number one thing that I would say is employee match donations are a great way to double your impact so a lot of folks work for you'd be surprised even mid-level even some smaller companies will do donation matches and if your company doesn't do donation matches ask them about it you know even if you work for like a local coffee shop it's great PR you know we can you can always come out we could do a check presentation whatever you want to do and then the sustaining donations five ten fifteen dollars a month I cannot tell you how important that is to us when we're projecting our expenses when we're looking at growing into places like newark growing into places like Jersey City, it is very, very reassuring to know that we have a reliable source of income moving forward while we make those changes. But in addition to the giving, the number one thing I would encourage you to do is, I think this was your third episode, if I'm not mistaken, is go to your city council meetings. One of the unspoken goals of ARM, or one of the, relative, you know, I'm hoping that it becomes more of a spoken goal of ARM, is just like Lava May to and, and the right to shower, to grow awareness and advocacy for hygiene services in our community. A rising mm. tide lifts all boats and having more showers everywhere should be our goal as a society. Whether, you know, frankly, whether or not we need them, right? Just having showers ready and available for people who need them is one of the best things we can do for our communities. And so being an advocate, whether it is on arms behalf, if you want to go to a Newark City Council meeting, or if you want to go to a New Brunswick City Council meeting, or just wherever it is that you live, going to a city council and ask them, What is the city's plan? Want to
0: run up on Cory Booker?
1: That's right. Let's do it. (laughs) Cory, I'm here for you, man. Go to your local city council meetings and say, hey, what is your plan to support the homeless outside of housing and case management? And then finally, volunteering. Obviously, as 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 a volunteer director myself and as someone that relies on volunteer power mostly to run the ARM organization, I can't tell you, again, how important a recurring volunteer is, someone that comes out once a month, someone that comes out once a week you guys are the backbone of this organization. So those are the three most powerful ways you can get involved in support.
0: Well, what our listeners do not know, and I say this every single episode, I tell them when you buy our products, you're bringing the showers to the streets. That's right. This is the right to shower. We're bringing the power of the shower. (laughs) And John, you are a testimony of that. hundred percent. You're like, yo, John, you getting the check, big boy. It's come on down, man. Take us in that moment. Like, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? Like, what did your, your mom say?
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. No, my mom immediately called up everyone in our family and was like, "Oh my God, John's going to be doing this." Blah blah blah. Right? John's just, got a it, real
0: it, job. God, John's got a real <laughs> job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know, it's not med school, but we're still very proud of him. No, it's. Um, but when we had that call with Chris, I mean, it literally became possible. I mean, it's hard to. To really make a compelling way outside of saying, before that call, it was a stretch. After that call, it was a reality.
0: Say that again for our listeners in the back that might not have heard
1: you. That's right, man. With the right to shower and Lava my X, before I had that call, before we got that $10,000 grant, it was going to be a stretch. It was going to be tough. We weren't sure if we were going to do it. After that call, we knew for sure we were going to do it. We knew we had the security we needed to do it.
0: Yeah, and let John be a testament for all of us. Let John be a testament for all of us. If you do something with love and you do something with passion and you put your all into it every single day, more often than not, the universe will conspire for your success. And we are seeing that with Arm. We are seeing that with John. I'm so excited for today's show. John, let's turn the page just a little bit. Now, you're not someone who just talks about these issues like myself, but you're a person who has hasn't just worked in the business side of things, but you've also been in the field, like a lot of our guests here on the Right to Shower podcast. Can you tell us just some stories that have stuck with you from the time that you were working on the ground? Anything stand out?
1: Yeah, so there's two particular stories that really stand out to me. So the first one was very, very early on, before Arm even had a name, before we had our legal paperwork, back when we were just a church group. There was an individual at the... So like I said, we used to bring PB&Js and other kinds of sandwiches, and sometimes we would work in hot meals.
0: Great with strawberry. I'm judging you right now. Dude, it's great. Okay. There we go. He's good with me. Keep going. Come on.
1: You know, So we go down to the train station, and there is this older gentleman, and you've talked about this a lot. It's 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 an unfortunate reality. Many folks experiencing homelessness are elders, and there's a lot of reasons why that's the case, but... His name was Bill. He's an older gentleman. He was so tall. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm if I'm lucky average, you know, at five seven, five eight, he was probably six three. So this dude just towers over me, right? Like the big friendly giant. He is just the kindest man ever. So sweet. And throughout over, let's say, six months, seven months, we're, you know, we're seeing Bill two to three times a night, giving him a sandwich, you know, asking some other, you know, as you close in and develop a Personal relationship with these people, you start to ask for additional things that people might need. What can I get you? Do you need a pair of socks? You need to run out and get you like a a coffee, whatever. And so we we do that for about like I said, six or seven months. And in that time, we learn that his wife is sick, and actually the reason that he's living out on the street is because he had to make a financial decision between keeping his apartment or paying for his wife's medical bills. And you know, obviously, I mean, I, I think he made the right decision, but it was obviously a tough decision. And so he was living out on the street so that he could pay for his wife's medical bills. And we don't see him for about three months. And then after three months, just about a year in from the day that we met him, he comes running up to us one night at service. He gives us a hundred dollar bill and he goes, guys, I got to tell you, my wife is fine. She's coming home. We're moving into our apartment next week. And, you know, a lot of people who get into this kind of work, they say, if I, you know, if we could help one person, that would be enough for all the effort that we do. And we were lucky enough; we got that W early on, so now everything else is just bonus for us. So that's the first one. That's Bill. And more recently, we had a uh, a case manager here in New Brunswick that just really fell in love with our service. I mean, you know, he had he had he wasn't paid to care about us. He wasn't he didn't he wasn't part of the planning process or anything like that. Jason and Jason he just started setting up all his appointments, all his case management appointments at our shower unit when our showers are being provided. And so it was just, it was that kind of collaboration, that unspoken collaboration that just like, it meant the world to me, right? He just, he had no, no reason to do this. We weren't paying him to do this. They're, you know, it actually made his life more difficult because he had to drive somewhere else. But he set up all his appointments with his clients at the shower program so that all of his clients got showers and every one of our guests had an opportunity to speak with him. You know, and that's been a really powerful partnership moving forward.
0: John. You talk about this idea if you can only help one person that you have done your job. And I agree with that hundred percent, which is why, John, if you want to give us that grant back so that we can give it to somebody else, <laughs> I would be fine with that. Let's spread the love. Now, <laughs> all jokes aside though, John, in addition to your work with ARM, you are also the volunteer partnerships coordinator at Salvation Army. Like this is a pretty long standing organization. Here you are sort of on one side, starting at the grassroots level, but also at the same time learning from this established organization. Can you tell us like how you got involved with the Salvation Army and like, what are you doing? What does it even mean to be the volunteer partnerships director?
1: Yeah, thanks. So, you know, I actually like to brag. I have the best job, I think, at the Salvation Army. So as the volunteer and partnerships director, I am responsible for several different kinds of special projects and overseeing the volunteer programs of our 30 locations across the state of New Jersey.
0: Wow. You're a busy man. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it can be, it can be, but it's also, you know, it's very rewarding work. And frankly, it's very fun work. Like the other day we had a, there was a spaghetti fundraiser in Kearney and I got to be the head chef and my wife's Italian. Her mother is as Italian as Italian can be. And I, I had the luck of learning how to make a maranade from her. So, you know, it was, it was great. It was li- a maranade. It's, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it was, it was great to just have that, you know, just cook it up some pasta as a form of helping the community and raising money for much needed services in Carney. But then also, you know, on the, the not as light and fun side, when disaster strikes, my department is one of the departments that supports our emergency management functions. So we have an emergency management director. He's actually one of my good friends named Seth. And my responsibility when disaster strikes is to hop into a mid-level leadership role alongside Seth and make sure that whether it's being a boot on the ground, which is where we were when Hurricane Ida hit and we were out in Lambertville and Elizabeth and Newark and Monroe, or whether it's planning large-scale events like, you know, like a large-scale pop-up care village, right? When we have uh, in Camden, they did this recently, our Camden Croc Center, our Salvation Army in Camden. They had a huge, they actually had Empowering Cuts, who's an awesome, awesome dude. He's got an RV, gives out free haircuts. In Philly, he came, he crossed the river. He was in Camden providing free haircuts. They had clothes, they had showers, they had case management, food, it was a lovely, lovely day. And so I just get to travel the state doing cool stuff like that all the time. So it's a it's an awesome job. Really happy to have it.
0: I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you at all, man. You say you have the, the best job, man. I, I might be competing with you a little bit. I, <laughs> I just actually was doing some traveling myself. I recently just got back from Africa. Nice. Kenya to be exact. Very cool. And I, I'm telling you, man, I thought I had saw a bug before in my life. <laughs> I thought I had seen it. I thought I had seen it. I thought I had seen a bug. No, not until you get to the continent. When you see an ant the size of your thumb, do you realize just how lucky we are? But also when we over there, people have this misperception of Africa. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like this barren wasteland. It's 150 degrees. But I'm over there. I'm like, golly, I feel like I'm in Miami. Then I came back to DC. It's 95 degrees outside. It's humid. Golly, like I feel like my sweat was sweating. (laughs) <laughs> and it's only getting hotter. And this is important because it's like it's only getting hotter here in the district. And I know we're not alone. You up there in Jersey and New Jersey. I know I know that river get a little muggy. But for those experiencing homelessness, they don't have the luxury of retreating to their apartment and pumping the AC up to 67. You know, like they have to experience these conditions out in the streets. Mm-hmm. And we can take these things for granted. I know we talk a lot about the winter months, making sure that people are in and they're housed and they have blankets and socks and getting them stuff. But for those of us that may not necessarily know, can you just talk to us a little bit about what is that experience like for someone in homelessness Like as we head into the summer months, particularly as it warms up?
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, and thanks for asking. I'm really concerned about this summer. There's every indication from some of like the weather reports that I'm reading that this may be our hottest summer yet. Generally speaking, unfortunately, that seems to be the case every year. Is is, There's every indication that this is the hottest summer yet, and Mm -hmm. it is, and then next year it just gets worse. And the the problem, you put it the right way right there, which is we can all retreat to an air-conditioned, shaded, even our car, right? Even if you're you're running in and out, it's hot, all right, let me just sit in my car and crank the AC for a little bit. You're you're paying a premium now with your gas having to do that, but- you know, I know you mentioned talking about filling up your truck. It's not a fun feeling.
0: I took a friend out for their birthday yesterday, man, and everything was closed. So I'm just driving them around in my car. I told him, you don't even know. This is better than bottle service nowadays. I got the AC <laughs> on. I'm riding you around. Like I'm flexing for you right now. You don't even realize. But that's a moot point. Go ahead, John. Get in there.
1: <laughs> no, but that's it. And you know, and the and the problem is many cities will have one or two hot weather respites and things like that. But they're not always in accessible places, and you know they're just they're just not everywhere, right? Like not even faulting our cities. I'm really glad that they have these in New Jersey. We call it Code Red. It's in you know different places called different things. But I have just last week it was 89 on Friday in New Brunswick when we were doing service in sunny. It's not even that hot. It's not even that hot. And I had guests come. They didn't even take a shower. They just sat in the shade. They couldn't even be bothered. To move. That's how hot they were. That's how exhausted they were. And heat exhaustion is becoming more and more of a real concern, especially when working with indigent populations and folks experiencing hardship. A lot of these folks have comorbidities. They might have health conditions that are causing them to be more sensitive to, to temperature change. And finally, you know, un- unfortunately, we are not out of the COVID pandemic and with upper respiratory problems. So someone that may have a very mild form of COVID, even just if they're out in the in the heat for too long, that could be literally deadly. It could be literally deadly. And so, yeah, when it comes to hot weather, it's, I got to say, I am really, truly worried about what the summer is going to hold for us and for our unhoused population.
0: Mm. Well, give us a little bit of optimism here, John, as much as you can. What can our listeners do to support people as temperatures rise as we head into the summer months?
1: Yes, yeah, so there is optimism, right? Yeah, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here. There is absolutely optimism at hand. There is a, a lot of folks out there. A lot of folks talk about this, and and I can't advocate stronger for this. Throw a couple bottles in your freezer overnight. Keep them in your car, and you see someone, toss them a water bottle, and don't worry if it's frozen, because if it's frozen, now they got some ice to cool them down. When it when it melts, then they're going to have some water to cool themselves down. So I always say that the additional point I'll throw a lot of people don't necessarily include this. Throw it in your freezer. Give out frozen water bottles. And
0: hold on. Disclaimer. The right to shower does not endorse people chucking frozen water bottles at those experiencing homelessness on the side of I-95. But I get John's point. Toss lightly. Hand.
1: Okay. There you Do go. Hand. True. Hand off. Yes. 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 In in the gentlest form possible, uh, support your folks with some frozen water bottles. There we go. I'm
0: going to see a news report this summer. <laughs> Water bottles being chucked at those experiencing homelessness tie back to the Right to Shower podcast and John Mariargi, So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good disclaimer. Let's let's just cut that out and say, gently hand some frozen water bottles to folks. And the, the ice is going to keep them cool and the water is going to keep them hydrated. And those are two very important things to deal with in the summer months. If you're in New Jersey, come out to uh, an armed volunteer site. I'll give you some socks. It sounds weird when you think about socks as a form of combating heat exhaustion, but actually... When folks wear socks are too long, um, it starts to bog up and, and really makes their feet hurt and things like that. And having, uh, I think you also talked about this recently, all the hikers out there know a good pair of socks is a great way to stay warm, but a good mm-hmm. pair of socks is also a great way to stay cool. So I think it's also important that, you know, if you can get some wool socks or some very light cotton socks, breathable socks out there, keep those alongside those water bottles.
0: Certainly for all my hikers, they know cotton kills out there in the woods. But so, so, as we come to the close here, John, we already talked about how people can support ARM. But for those of us that are either in the Jersey area, maybe even some folks here in DC, what can we do to join the army?
1: Love that! I love, I love. See that. what I did there? I love that you did that. Let's let's go. <laughs> so, in addition to to coming out and volunteering, in addition to advocating, in addition to donating. I would encourage everyone to uh, keep up with us on social. We, uh, we're we very lucky. We have a very good media team that taught me the importance of having the same handle across all socials. So it's armgives, at A-R-M-G-I-V-E-S, as in Steven, on all Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And same thing for our website. It's arm.gives, no.org.com after that. That's just it, arm.gives. And uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. And I would say actually the newsletter is it that's where you're going to get the cool info. That's where you're going to get the stuff that doesn't necessarily have like a a sexy photo assigned to it. It's Just good info. Got to know about it. You know, stay involved. That's going to be the newsletter. So you go to our website, you're going to be able to get there.
0: Yeah. I like you, John. I've never heard anybody from Jersey say you're not going to see a sexy photo on this, but you know, that's another day, (laughs) another conversation for another day. John, we have a little bit of a tradition here at the right to shower podcast. As we wrap up our time on this episode, i like to ask our guests just to leave our listeners with an affirmation, some positive note, maybe an anecdote, a story, a soliloquy, even. What you got for us, John, as we close out this episode?
1: All right. All right. Let's see. To everyone listening this and everyone who will listen this, you already have the power to make a change in your community. Whether it's joining up with a big organization like the Salvation Army or a smaller organization like Arm, Whether it's sharing the Right to Shower podcast with your friends or going to a city hall meeting and advocating for the homeless population in your area, you have everything you need to advocate for and fix some of the problems that you're experiencing and that you're viewing in your community.
0: Good God, man. And I double down on that. This has been an amazing episode with John L. Muragi from Arm, man, out there in New Jersey. But thank you to John for being here today. Arm is an amazing organization doing great things. And to learn how you can help, just visit arm.gives/volunteer And please help out if you can. This is going to be an especially warm summer. And I promise you it's not just because of the hot fire that I'm bringing to every single party that I'm going to be in. Another way that you can help is to visit therighttoshower.com to learn more about opportunities to volunteer or donate. You can also buy our shower products. And as we've seen on today's episode, when you buy our products, when you buy our products, you are giving organizations like Arm and individuals that are experiencing homelessness the right to shower. You can buy our products by going to Amazon or heading straight to our website, therighttoshower.com. For every soap you buy and shower you take, you help us bring mobile showers to the streets. Another free and simple way you can help is to rate this podcast y'all didn't even know. That is the simplest, easiest way that you can support us. You can leave a review or you can share it with friends so that we can spread the power of the shower to even more people. I'm Darius Baxter, and this has been another great episode of Bright Right to Shower. I can't wait to see y'all next week. We out, baby.